I don't know that I was ready, yeah. but I was eager. This is Tall Can Audio. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside episode 1170 of the Tall Can Audio podcast, coming to you from our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. We're on social media at Tall Can Audio. Make sure you're following along there. And uh, go ahead, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Wherever you're hearing us right now, Spotify, Google Pods, Apple Podcasts, wherever you are, get on board. Make sure, uh, make sure you're subscribed. Uh, a new voice in the studio today, but not a new voice to those of you who are familiar to uh, Ottawa Sports Radio. Matt Kaunasvita's here. What's happening, man? Oh, I'm... Super excited to be here. Really, really looking forward to this. Uh, you're a bit of a legend around Ooh. our station. <laughs> so many of my friends are your friends. Sure. And so I'm excited to become a friend now and well, hopefully it, a friend of the show. And this stems from you guys were, uh, were good enough to have me on back in August. They're on, uh, on the drive on TSN 1200 while, while all the real hockey insiders were still on vacation. <laughs> and uh, I was happy to, to step in there. Um, you were throwing a little elbow or two before you brought me in, and you know you hadn't quite been in yet. Or, you know what? Yeah. I wasn't even really throwing an elbow. Yeah, it was. I, I was throwing elbows off the air. Right. Okay. <laughs> and then because I did it off the air, just like you know, as as kind of a fun thing. Yeah, yeah of course. Then uh, it was creature, right? And, yeah. And yep. creature, of course, brings it up on the air in yep. his little instigating grand sure, creature that's what way. He does. And, yep. and that's that's what happened there. But yeah, uh, I mean, I, I I don't know why. You would invite me on this show. I mean, I only love beer and sports and music and pop culture. And, sure, and I, I doesn't I seem like a fit talk, but <laughs> I'm excited to be here. I'm really, really looking forward to this. And what a beautiful setup you got in here. Well, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Um, it's just one of those things we've sort of tinkered at over the years. We we started like most people with this one USB like uh, blue Yeti microphone in the middle of the table, and you just steadily keep adding pieces and. Yeah, it's it's not a bad place to spend an hour and drink a beer now. Oh, I can't wait. So, so when do I get to crack this open? Right What's now. I, I'm going to ask you if you're uh, about your craft beer taste, all of that. But we start with the beers. So, uh, what have you grabbed out of the uh, out of the fridge there? I grabbed a hazy Cannon Hazy India Pale Ale. Okay, I'm a, a lot of haze to that. Yeah, I'm a yeah. big IPA guy. And What's the brewery there? Uh, the brewery is Heavy Seas. Okay, I just. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about heavy seas. Out to be of honest Toronto, with it looks okay. like. I wonder if they're new or I'm just not. Uh, you know, the, Toronto has a bunch of, of craft breweries that I thought I knew most of them, and this one's going to be new to me. So new to you as well, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, is it? Go, well, you can go ahead and crack. Yeah, that I'm going to pop that. Yeah, we might as well. I'm going to uh, pop that open. Get into these. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I have gone with. Uh, I, I've been kind of back and forth. For the last couple of weeks with this brewery, uh, I placed a fairly large order from them in late August, maybe, and that was uh, Whippersnapper. Love Whippersnapper. Yeah, right here in Nepean, um, so nearby, and um, it was pretty cool. I've mentioned it before on the show that I was trading a couple of direct messages on Instagram with uh, with Ian, the guy who, who mm-hmm. does most of the brewing over there, and uh, I'd asked, I had one of his kegs still sitting here. Because I had ordered... Um, As you do. Uh, yeah, it, it happens, right? <laughs> and so I texted him there on Instagram and said, uh, you know, when your delivery person brings these by, is it okay if I send the keg back with them? He said, well, why don't I just come over and get the keg? I'll bring your beer and I wouldn't mind seeing the studio, right? That's service. So he came in, we had a chat and he checked out the place a little bit and uh, told us 
you know, a little bit more about the brewery and, and just hung out a little. So a uh, very cool guy. And so we grabbed uh, a bunch of beers from him. And uh, this is one I've been working through. This is their pre-prohibition lager. Okay. And um, I'm getting exactly what he mentioned. I wasn't sure how this is. It's it's a bit of a light lager. It says 4.5%, but it's got a little smoke to it. It's got a little bit of like roastiness to it. And it says in the description so that it, it tastes like a 20s lager. Now, I don't know anything about what beer was like in the 20s, so I'm going to take <laughs> their word for it. But, but this is pretty nice. Excellent. Yeah, I'm, I'm really liking my first sip of this. Uh, as as you said, as the name implies, very, very hazy. Right. Um, pretty hoppy, but not like punch you in the mouth hoppy. Right. And uh, yeah, it's it's going down smooth. So. What is your sort of go-to if you were having a craft beer, if you were picking something else or picking something out for yourself? What's Just, your sort of style? Or? Uh, I love hoppy. I love IPAs. Okay. And yeah. uh, I, I mean, I'm lucky because it seems to be that's the go-to of all the Everybody craft Everybody wants to hang now. their hat on their IPA. Yeah, yeah for but sure. But one of the things my, my wife and I did for our honeymoon is we did a bit of a road trip through, um, like we did a night in Stowe. We were in Portland, Maine, okay. and some time in Halifax, okay. and hit a bunch of craft breweries, including the Alchemist in Stowe. Nice. And the Alchemist, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar, no. but uh, Hetty Topper is the beer that is sort of credited with kicking off the whole craft IPA movement. Oh, really? Okay. And uh, it, it's it's a lot of... There's there's a beer connoisseur that is uh, a neighbor of my uncle and my dad's down in Florida where my family snowbirds. Sure. And he he raves constantly about how it's the best a uh, best beer on the planet. And so that was a so place you got to make the trip. You oh, gotta, yeah. you almost have to go. Yeah. And the, yeah, the the heady topper and I'm trying to think of what the other one was called. But we went back to Stowe. Uh, this past May and brought a bunch back again and spent some time. Anything to declare? Nope. Nope. Uh, just, just, a beers. Beers. just a couple beers. Just a couple beers. Just a couple beers. So uh, is is your wife also into craft beer? Or is this a stop she's making for you? Is no, this, uh, big time. Yeah, okay. big time. Nice. So it's it's something that we we like. We love going to different breweries. We were at Dom City. Uh, was it two weeks ago for their big birthday? Right. Yes. And, uh, celebration Mm -hmm. so uh spent some time there and yeah love during the pandemic did a lot of orders from different breweries a lot we were living near the tennis club on donald street at the time and so bicycle was one of our go-tos but uh big bellwoods fans in toronto um i i think probably their uh their uh sour is her the jelly king is one of her favorites of all time but love trying the different Jelly Kings. Um, a, a lot of the the Bellwood stuff we really love. But there are so many breweries around mm-hmm. Ottawa. We're in Orleans now, so like OBC, Stray Dog, um, all, all those different breweries in the east end of town. We Broadhead to used to be just a few blocks from here, and so I used to go get kegs from there fairly regularly. But uh, they've moved out to Orleans, and so well, it's a bit of a commute. We've done uh, trivia a couple times. Oh yeah, we're big pub trivia people right. too. Yeah, sure. And uh, we we've done pub trivia at Broadhead. A few times, and it's a great time, great brewery. Uh, uh, and then, like, we've done a couple of brew donkey tours. Yeah, I've one, done one of those. They're, it was pretty cool. Oh, it was a blast. I did find the belly getting shaken up on the bus there, <laughs> foaming up on me. I don't know who was driving for you, but we had the same driver. I've gone twice. Did one for a bachelor party. Okay. And then one as sort of a, a going away thing with my family, because my brother moved to England just oh, wow. recently. Yeah. And that one we went through Actually, the I east end. You talking about that. Yeah. yeah, but both times, 
it was the same driver and it, it felt like she was trying to find every bump on the road but <laughs> that's it you got a belly full of beer exactly. just, it's getting shaken up on you a little bit but it was a lot of fun we i think uh, ours took us to uh, to bicycle to vimy and one other i can't remember now off the top of my head because i spent some time in uh, in breweries yeah <laughs> but um well, we were talking off air about our french rides and, and she had texted me uh, a couple of weeks ago knowing that this would be right up my alley and I got really excited and then really bummed out because she invited me to um, Simpsons Trivia Night at Whippersnapper Brewer. And okay. everything about that sounded like it was going to be Matt's kind of night. Right, <laughs> yeah. And uh, she texted me again a couple days later, like two hours before we were supposed to go, and she's like, you were supposed, we were all supposed to pre-register. I didn't know that, and they're oh, sold out. Oh, no. So we couldn't even go. So we did go for beers somewhere else and just kind of, did you make your own? Yeah, just Simpsons like tried to quiz questions? each other on Simpsons stuff. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I did. I did Simpsons trivia once with some friends at I think it was OBC, uh, Orleans Brewing Company, mm-hmm. and it was humbling. <laughs> it was. Uh, oh, there are people out there who will just like crush you, right? Like they they know what sign was in the window behind a famous scene that oh, you remember the quote from or it's something. Like. Crazy. <laughs> my my expertise. I'm I'm not good enough at. Maybe music trivia. Mm-hmm. That's that's and ironically, my sports trivia is middling at best. Okay, <laughs> and if if I'm doing general trivia, mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm tremendous at sports questions. Right. If I'm doing sports trivia, oof, it can be a little <laughs> tough. And uh, and it's it's one of those things you'd think over the years with osmosis. Like sure. I, I did a show for three four months with Liam McGuire mm-hmm. and doing a show with Liam McGuire and his trivia knowledge is just <laughs> staggering. Yes. And it's it's one of those things that's even more impressive now that everyone has the internet on their phone. Right. Because previously, he, he could tell you this and you could sort of be like, okay, he's saying this, but it's probably not bang on, mm-hmm. right? Like he'll say, you know, Maurice Richard scored his 32nd goal of the, se- of the season on whatever day it, at... 342 of the second period <laughs> and you're like yeah sure liam right but now you have your phone you can look it up and he's bang on <laughs> it's insane and so working with him yeah, and I, I get shredded by that oh like, yeah like again i i sort of think i'm okay at it but nothing like that no like, not even close it's he's another level but yeah. so many of the guys that i work with and have worked with over the years are have such great brains for trivia and <laughs> and mine is i'm i'm, I'm better again at general stuff and like i know a little about a lot but not necessarily a lot about a little a little so i i do i do pub trivia the ottawa trivia league pretty regularly Hmm. and uh our teams you probably run into our friend vanessa sanchez fairly regularly i I I see vanessa from time to time trivia person too yeah we we play in the same league but at different locations but yeah she and i have talked about that (laughs) and we're usually pretty competitive uh but then i go out to like a specialty trivia thing like the aforementioned Simpsons yep. trivia, and it's just, okay, I think I knew two answers of the 40. <laughs> and thankfully, one of the guys on our team was pretty encyclopedic about it. Right. So it'd be like, first round, we got 8 out of 10 points. And it's like half the teams at the bar are 12 out of 10 with bonus points. Wow. And it's just like... It is, it's nuts. The winning team, I think, got two questions wrong the entire <laughs> night. And again, th- like there, there are varying degrees, but the specialized trivia yeah. can be rough. Right. Um, my mom, when we go back to the family cottage, she likes to have, she likes to play games at night and oftentimes we've had a couple throughout the day and not everybody's feeling it, but we'll sit down sometimes and, and she'll bring out like friends trivia, which I loved that Mm. show too. And so, um, basically 
me and my sisters all know it pretty well. Right. But my one sister and I just go back and forth and my second sister's just sitting there like, I, do I even need to be here? Like, this sucks. This isn't fun. It's just the two of you. <laughs> and then my mom, like, she'll tell, like, Samantha and I that, okay, you guys let Kate get this one. And Kate's like, this is so much worse. This is so patronizing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Chenandler Bob. Right, exactly. So um, just before we move off the beer thing, like, where do you start to get into that scene? Do you remember sort of what got you wanting to experiment oh. with a few more beers? What maybe was something early on that got you hooked or That's anything? That's a great question. Um, and I'm not prepared for this question because I have no idea when I would have gotten into the craft beer scene right. now that I'm, I'm trying to think about it. I'm, I'm trying to think of maybe some of the first Ottawa breweries that, uh, like Bose was the first really big one here across town, right? Yeah. The, the kind of the lug tread was everywhere for a while when they first got up and going. For me, I grew up down near Toronto and Steam Whistle was, right. you know, I think a lot of people's first craft beer, especially I was going, um, one of the first summers that Steam Whistle was up and going, I was going to a lot of Jays games with a buddy of mine and they're right there, right yeah. across the road. So you stop in, have a couple and, and carry on to the game. So those are the two the steam whistle in Toronto and then the bows when I would come up here to visit and, and whatever else. And it's just exploded since then. Yeah. I, I think maybe I, I really got into Blanche de Chambly from Unibrew okay. before Unibrew uh, was bought. Right. And I, I found, I, I mean, I still like a nice Blanche on tap, mm-hmm. but I, I find a lot of their stuff isn't quite the way it used to it be. It happens, right? Like Mill Street was like that. Yeah. I used to love the tank house and now, eh. It's, like, fine. it's fine. It's fine. The Mill Street Organic I'm is not going to say no to one. Right. I'm not going to say no to three. Right. <laughs> but it, there's just something that feels a little different about it. Yeah. And, and, and I found that, but I, I drink, I get Unibrew at the grocery store up at the cottage. Mm-hmm. And and the Blanche was always my favorite. And, you know, get a Blanche on tap at uh, Chez Lucien in the market. Right. And get one of their delicious burgers. <laughs> and then what a great, great spot. Uh, another one was I spent some time... Uh, just on a trip out in Vancouver mm-hmm. and Granville Island yes. yeah. back again before that got sold. They they had their, I think it was a winter stout or something that they had on tap at our hotel right. and was watching a, a Baltimore Ravens playoff game at the hotel bar with my buddy. <laughs> and man, those were going down easy. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we loved those so much that we made a point to go to the brewery the next day. Sure. But uh, when when won you over fast, yeah. When when the craft scene really kicked off, like Sunsplit was one that yes. I really fell in love with here. And still, like over the summer, you make sure you grab six or twelve of those at some point. Oh. Like just an awesome beer, right? It's uh, I had one with glitter in it really? at their birthday. Okay, uh, they, they had it. I can't remember. I'll have to check my Untapped app. Sure, but, um, they they had a special one for, specifically brewed for their birthday that was basically sun split, but it had like gold glitter in it and it, <laughs> it tasted pretty similar. Like maybe not uh, ex- uh, if you put them next to each other, there'd be some subtle differences, but it had a nice uh, glint to it and it was called party split. Okay. I like that. Yeah. And uh, just a, it was an enjoyable thing that sure. they, one of the little, Extra things they did for their their birthday celebration. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit about uh, let the listeners get to know you a little bit. Where you know your background and how you found your uh, you know the road you took to end up at, at TSN twelve hundred and you know where you grew up. It sounds like from talking off air here, it was 
it was pretty local to this area. Yeah. But, uh, take me on your little journey here to get to, to 1200. Born and raised in Orleans. My parents moved into their house uh, about two and a half weeks before I was born. And Cutting so, close, eh? yeah, so my parents have, they're still there uh, and grew up in Orleans and spent my entire childhood, high school, went to Colonel By, oh, so yeah. uh, a little bit further west, but still east end of town <laughs> and took a couple years off after high school and was working in fast food mm-hmm. and was super obsessed with music. Right. Like I, I, I'd play the, the song lyrics game at work with the other cooks in the kitchen at KFC where you you give a song lyric and you had to continue it. Yeah, okay, and, yeah. And we'd have we'd have like or a song would come on the radio and whoever named it first won. Yes. And people would stop playing with me after like <laughs> one day because I just dominated. <laughs> and my manager at the time one day was she had brought in like an Algonquin College on course um, magazine and had circled radio broadcasting. It was like, stop messing around and apply for a broadcasting course. Right. And that's what ended up getting me interested in post-secondary. I was like, how did I never think about, like, I love listening to radio. Yeah. I love listening to music radio, talk radio. I'd listen to Tigor, like, on my drive into high school in grade 12 and <laughs> just be dying laughing at the yes-no game. And so I ended up applying to Algonquin College, got accepted, and started in the program and like not even a month into my first semester uh one of our profs was like team 1200 is looking for a board op if you're interested email this guy uh, his email i don't even know his email if you're interested figure it out, <laughs> figure it out. send him your email <laughs> and me and one other guy from our program emailed ward stewart at team 1200 how do only two people take a leap at that opportunity? I don't know. <laughs> uh, the other job announcement at the time was a uh, street team at Hot 89.9. Okay, yeah. So maybe more people were interested in working for Hot than the AM sports radio station. I can tell you a month into when I was taking radio school, I was not ready to board off. Like, I'm not sure we had even been allowed to touch it yet. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know that I was ready, yeah. but I was eager. Sure, and yeah, yeah. so I was working, I was going to school full-time and working full-time as a shift manager at Wendy's in Orleans mm-hmm. and ended up getting hired. Uh, I, the, the story years later was that Ward Stewart couldn't pick between me and the other guy. Right. And so he flipped a coin <laughs> and that was how he chose me for the job. And now the, we got to ask though, were you the head or were you the tail? <laughs> I, you know what? I should have asked him that yeah. and I didn't. I was probably the head, <laughs> okay. but uh, I have no idea, but ended up, Getting the job, and I was hired to be a board op. So push buttons. Sure. For Make sure everybody. The layperson. Yep. Uh, just push buttons and, and babysit the board. Um, and Make sure the commercials run. Make sure the mics are hot. Yeah. Make sure, and, make sure the mics are not hot. And <laughs> when I was hired, I was hired to work strictly on a fill-in basis and probably one or two shifts a month. Okay. And uh, probably like when one of the full-time producers couldn't work a Monday night football broadcast or something like that. Right. Then they call me in. Which for people who don't know radio, like you're listening to a broadcast that's taking place on whatever ESPN radio or whatever it would be, but someone has to be or had to be, yeah. Uh, in had. The, yeah, had to be in the studio to okay. They're going to commercial. We run our commercials, right, and then get back to the broad. Like it, it, there was still someone that had to pilot that, even though there was no one actually in the studio doing the talking at this station. Exactly. The way it would work is it would come through on a satellite, basically, and we have a little 
switcher where you pull up the satellite feed and uh, just as you said, you'd have local breaks and network breaks. Right. And so for the NFL broadcasts, the, the first break of each quarter would usually be the local break. So the announcer, whether it was Kevin Harlan or Ian Eagle, would be like, you're listening to the NFL on Sports USA. Right. And then I turn, I press off on the board and hit play on a commercial. And then I sit there for 90 seconds. Because like, you know, Colonnade Pizza is not being broadcast across the USA network where everyone's listening to this. We're giving you just our local commercials now. Exactly. And then play the commercials and then play like you're listening to the NFL on Team 1200. Right. And then put the fader back on and then bring back work's done until the second quarter feet up yeah and i cut highlights too and stuff but was hired to work once maybe twice a month and so it's like all right great i've got my foot in the door at a radio station they've got four radio stations in the building one television station great place to be great building to be in and i can keep making my money working at wendy's and and going to school and like a week after i got hired the guy who would normally produce the afternoon show was filling in on the morning show and made a joke that he couldn't really get away with. Uh-oh. And if, <laughs> if, if any of your listeners were listeners to Tigor, mm-hmm. used to have a feature on Tigor on Team 1200 called Jimbotron. Yes. And it was just like the, the simple text robot voice. <laughs> and he'd do a bit of a monologue every morning near the end of the show. And this, this producer put in a joke uh, that... Did not go over oh, well. It was boy. in very poor taste. Oh, boy. In this day and age, I don't even want to tell the joke because okay. <laughs> it might get me in trouble now. Um, but he, he was he was filling in and pushing the envelope a little bit, and he got in big trouble and was like, you know what? You can't work on Team 1200 anymore. Uh, we're going to boot you across the hall to CFRA. So he, he was the full-time afternoon show guy, got mm-hmm. booted off the station. So the weekend producer got offered the afternoon show. Right. He took that, and so they were like, hey, Matt, you want to work Saturday and Sunday mornings every week? Saturday, it'll be the Greco size show with Tony Greco and Steve Warren, the Popeye supplement show, and then tee it up with Kevin Haim, two hours of golf talk. And then Sunday morning, it's a show called Sunday Best with Lever Sage and Angry Al. <laughs> and then you're going to you know, produce some automated stuff out of Toronto, and then 67's broadcasts. And I jumped at it. Because there's nothing that a college kid likes more than Saturday and Sunday morning jobs. Hey, I wanted to get into the bits and uh, give give me two shifts guaranteed a week and I'll take it. Right. And so started doing those and had to make the call. I think I did it for probably six weeks where I was going to school full time, working Wendy's full time and working Saturday, Sundays at the team. That's not going to work. And (laughs) like I would get up at whatever time on Saturday morning. I think the first show on Saturdays was nine and the first show on Sundays was eight and I'd be there until five on Sundays, but (laughs) Saturday and Sunday I'd work at the station in the morning and then not even go home, just go straight to Wendy's and close like work from wherever, whenever I got there to close and then back in on Sunday, back to Wendy's and then full-time school at the time was four days. So my day off I'd work, all day at Wendy's, and then I was sprinkling in shifts here and there. Yep. And I think I did four to six weeks of that and was like, you know what? I got to make the call. Mm-hmm. I'm going to very much sacrifice my disposable income and just focus on radio. Yeah. And that's that's how I got started at the team yeah. was they, they were hiring. Uh, I, 
I really, really liked sports and was like, this, this could be a lot of fun. This could be a good fit and just grinded, grinded and grinded. So I was doing school and college for two years, graduated college and, uh, just managed to plug away. I think I was a part-time employee for six and a half, seven years, just taking any and all the hours I could get. Right. And over over the years, convinced them to let me do sports updates during my opping shifts on the weekends. And that parlayed into more on-air opportunities. And, and now I'm... What am I doing now? <laughs> I'm uh, producing the afternoon show. Uh, I can see why you'd be... There's been a bit of a shuffle, yeah. right? So everybody's still settling into a new routine. Fill in hosting. Yeah. And I've taken over hosting the pre- and post-game show for Ottawa Red Blacks broadcasts. Yeah, I'm going to ask you about the Red Blacks here oh, in a bit. Okay. It's, it's been a joyous subject. Uh, before we totally move off of this, where was it better to work? KFC or Wendy's? Uh, that's... <laughs> Probably Wendy's, yeah. um, but it's it's hard to say because I worked at KFC for about three and a half years yeah. and uh, don't need to get in. There's a long story <laughs> that we don't need to get <laughs> okay. into, but ended up leaving f- as sort of a message to the higher ups at KFC who had really mistreated some of my managers that did a lot of good for me. Right. And so my my manager left and I was like, if you're leaving, I'm leaving too. And so we both left at the same time. Yeah. And I went to work at Wendy's and I only ended up working at Wendy's for like four months. Okay. Because yeah. it was, I think I, I was still working at KFC when I applied for the radio broadcasting. Right. So the switchover happened. <laughs> um, I had really good experiences at both, to be honest with you. And I remember uh, my mom as out of high school worked at Mary Brown's oh, Chicken. Okay. Yeah. And she used to talk or still, you know, every now and then she'll tell us like that just... By the end of the day, she's like, you're just so sick of seeing chicken. And oh, there's grease everywhere. Yeah. Like you, she said, you're constantly coming home just feeling like you're bathed in grease. You'd have to buy stuff. new like, shoes right, every like, like six or seven months because the grease would just eat through <laughs> the soles of your shoes. And you get to the end of your shift and your socks and your feet would be soaked yeah. from like mopping up the floors and stuff. Sure. And, yeah. But I, I learned a lot. And it was good experience for sure. But your your mom's bang on. Like you, you come home and it didn't matter how many times you washed your uniform. Yes. Your uniform stank of grease. Well, um, like the you'd almost have you to bring to chicken home with you. Like because you smelled so much like yeah. chicken that anyone around you would be hungry when oh. you got home. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and like to this day, I love fried chicken. Not same. I yeah. absolutely love fried chicken. <laughs> and I can't eat KFC fried chicken. Not because of things Seen I saw the when I worked there. Get made no, not? nothing like that at all. Uh, I tell people because people always make that joke. And yeah. like, I, I can't speak to it now. This was 19, 20 years ago sure. that I worked there. Yeah. But the chicken, the like the fried chicken itself was excellent. It, it was just you're cooking and racking and packaging thousands of pieces a day every day. Yeah. And it's like I, I just and the other thing is every once in a while I'll get a craving. And so I go and get like a two piece or whatever. And mm-hmm. I, I can tell this has been sitting in the warmer for three hours. Okay. And so I, I got sort of spoiled by if I was going to eat the chicken, I was going to eat the stuff the that fresh. was hot out of the fryer <laughs> yeah. with the fresh oil. <laughs> it's like I can tell 
this has been cooked in oil that hasn't been filtered in like six or seven times and you're <laughs> supposed to filter it every four cooks like okay and so you you get to know almost too much and <laughs> so i i can't do kfc anymore okay. i can't i love popeyes i love mary browns yeah love uh fried chicken but yeah. uh, the kfc ugh, it's tough now <laughs> uh so as you are sort of you know like you said working your way through you know, you're doing the, the board op and then they're allowing you to do some sports updates and what, like, how long does it take before you're getting like regular on air, like contributing to the conversation? A lot of your hosts are at the station, bring the, the guy working product. Like how long before you have gained, I don't know if it's gained trust or been given the okay to start contributing to what's happening on the show. It's, it's a good question. And it's very different today than it was when I started, when I started and I'm, I think what day is it today? It's September 25th. 25th. So today is my 17-year anniversary Oh wow! at CFGO yeah. at 1200. I got hired 17 years ago today, <laughs> which is crazy. Uh, but 17 years ago, if you were the producer, you didn't really... You didn't contribute, talk. No, you didn't okay. contribute at all. Yeah. And especially on the main weekday shows. Right. Um, so at the time, it would have been, I think, Tigor over the edge... And more on sports yes. was the lineup back then. Um, but I, I'm, I'm trying to think. So the way I first got on the air was teed up with Kevin Haim, which aired 10 to 12 on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Um, got s- picked up and it would air in Montreal as well. And we had to change the clock of the show so that it was able to air and we had very specific commercial breaks with sports updates made time for right. and things like that. Right, because it has like to that. fit on multiple stations. Exactly. We the guy in Montreal commercial has to know when I'm getting out and when I'm getting back in. Right. And it called for, I think, a two-minute sports update at the top of the hour and a one-minute sports update at the bottom of the hour. And I told my program director at the time, like, we can't get a one-minute update. Why don't you just let me do it? Right. And he was like, ah, I don't know if you're ready. Uh, how about you send me a demo and I'll let you know. And I sent him three demos a week for a month. And finally, he was like, yeah, go ahead. And so I was allowed to do the sports updates on Saturday, on Saturday during Tee It Up only. Okay. And then Steve Warren, who was hosting Tigor at the time, he was on a co-host on Tigor and was hosting the Tony Greco show, went to my boss and was like, how come Matt's doing sports updates during Kevin's show, but not during my show? And my boss was like, all right, I guess you can do it on his show too. Yeah. And then on Sundays, Lee and Al on Sunday Best were like, how come Matt's doing updates on Saturdays, <laughs> but not on Sundays? Right. And so once I started doing them on Saturday and Sunday, then I, I started getting trusted a bit more on the shows. And it, it's, it's one of the things now that I think is phenomenal about the station is that everyone that's a part of the show is a part of the show yeah. on and off the air. And, and that's been a change that's been effect. Uh, the producers have really been empowered for quite a few years now. And it, it's just one to of the those point things. Where it, like people make fun of it or text in if like a few minutes go by and AJ hasn't checked in with whoever's producing that day or whatever. <laughs> well, right? I mean, Steve Lloyd, legendary right. for not welcoming Kenny to the show for like an hour and a half. Right. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's it's been a change that I think has been really welcome. And it really helps you develop your on-air skills being able to participate and being encouraged. And, and that's something that's, that's been in effect for a while now. And uh, I, I mean, we don't really have any producers at the show anymore who 
don't talk. Don't talk. Right. They're, we're all part of the show and we're all sort of interchangeable and the producers or people who were producers are now hosting. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's been, it's been really great. Well, so one of the, um, you know, things we've talked about quite a bit over the summer on the show are, are some changes that have happened over at 1200 since, I guess it was June, uh, beginning of the summer. And, um, of course with Sean Simpson and, and Lever Sage being let go as CTV and Bell Media across the board cut all kinds of, of jobs pretty deep with that. And so now what we're seeing is, is the morning show six to 10 and then American syndication from 10 to three, I guess it is three o'clock. There's a show out of Toronto, uh, and two then, o'clock. Two o'clock, two show o'clock. to Toronto. Yeah. That's right. Sorry. No. All and then uh, four to six is is back here local with uh, with the drive. And I don't want to put you on the spot. I don't know how much you want to comment on exactly what <laughs> happened back in June. But I am curious how it's impacted you and your shifts, your rotation right now, your level of predictability at work. Um, you know, just what those changes have been like for somebody who does your job. What I will say is it's it's been the the media landscape has changed so much over the years since i started 17 years ago Mm -hmm. and uh it's it's one of those things where uh when the decisions are made we we all have to pull on the rope together right and it's it's we are doing the best we can with what we have and uh, i think um as you can imagine um it's been different mm-hmm. but um I, I i think and we're local now uh four to seven and yes. it used to be we'd be four to six on a few days and four to seven on a few and now the drive will go till seven on mondays and we have the red blacks radio show on tuesdays from six to seven uh offside on wednesdays corner kicks on thursdays and she's, she's got, got game, game on fridays yeah. and it's it's just been it's it's been an adjustment, as you can imagine, and my, my schedule has changed, but uh, it's, it's been something that just uh, when they tell me to work, I work, and <laughs> I'm glad to do it because it, it, there, there's not a lot better than getting paid to talk about sports with your buddies. No, uh, I, I can imagine. <laughs> we just drink beer and talk sports here. Oh, Nobody, nobody's I, getting paid. That's out. what no, we're I, missing. I hope... I hope nobody told you you were getting paid to come in here. <laughs> uh, I, I've got beer, though, so that's that's even better. It is true. Uh, that is one thing that I, I'm sure is slightly frowned upon down at uh, at the Bell Media building. Um, there's a few different places we can go from here. I obviously want to ask you about uh, some things going on around the sports world right now, but mm-hmm. one of the things that you became known for quite a bit around the station was your music knowledge. Yep. And on Thursdays especially, you started Institute like themes, yeah. right? the songs that would bring the shows in and out of break. And I'm curious, is that something that you start on your own? Is that something you're asked to do by, by your program director and just sort of like how that becomes a thing and, and how much over the course of the week are you starting to think about it and put it together? Like what goes into that? Cause I know for a lot of listeners, that was a really fun part of, of the weekly schedule, right? Like on Thursday, we all know music theme. You, you got to be baby. paying attention, right? What's coming <laughs> in and out, and and trying to figure out what he's trying to tell us today. Yeah, that that was something that I started on my own, and it was something I I I love music and have loved music my whole life, and it's it's been something. One of my early formative memories was being down in Florida um, with my family and my dad and I. I would have been 
think about five and a half, maybe six, not quite six years old. Right. And my dad and I, just the two of us, drove uh, to Expo's spring training. <laughs> nice. And I got to sit in the front seat of the van because it was just me and my dad. <laughs> sure. And whatever radio station we were listening to down there played six Led Zeppelin songs in a row. <laughs> and I, I was like banging along on, on the dash of the van <laughs> with Bonzo and, and just like we used to play, we, we used to listen to Shea 106 and it would be my challenge to try and guess which song was playing as quickly as I could. Right. And so uh, music has always been something that I've been really passionate about passionate about really drawn to and and really love and and listen to all sorts of stuff and i for whatever reason the way liam mcguire can remember stats about the nhl i can remember factoids about different songs and 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 things like that and so you two played on july 7th in 1989 i can't do that my dates my years right for but just like little factoids like the fact that at the beginning of roxanne by the police you hear Sting laugh because he accidentally sits on the piano and there's like a little dissonant note and then he laughs thinking he ruined the take and they ended up keeping it in the song. Right. And it's something that a lot of people would never notice. And now if you've heard this and you go and you listen to the song, it's super clear. Now you can't not you hear the piano. Right. You hear Sting laugh and you're like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> and those sort of things just stuck with me. And so I started the music themes during the pandemic because right. we had no sports right and need something to talk about <laughs> and i was like i'm trying to remember if it started on just thursdays or if it was something i'd bring every day and then started running out of themes and i was like i gotta pare this down and we can only <laughs> do it on thursdays yeah but it, it was something to sort of bring to the show that we could talk about and and you know thread through the show when we didn't have sports to talk about right um, and it was something that I was sort of inspired by my uncle because uh, he and my dad have been hosting a golf weekend at the cottage called the Connors Vita Classic for, <laughs> I think, more than 30 years now. Oh, wow. 35 years, close to, something like that. But I started going when I was in my early 20s. And my uncle also, huge into music. My dad as well, but my uncle more so than my dad. And my uncle, I remember, had a... a a contest where everyone that was there, the 12 guys, everyone puts in a toonie and he has a group of songs and he was like, if you can figure out what these songs have in common, you win the money. Okay. You get one guess. Yeah. Uh, if you guess wrong, you're out. And and he was like, and, and full disclosure, Matt might dominate this. <laughs> like, I, I'm not sure. But so my uncle plays the first song and I'm like, you know what? I think I know the answer, but I want to make sure I on hear one song. Yeah. Okay. I, I had an idea yeah. on the first song. Yeah. And I was like, I want to make sure I. I'm not wasting my one and out here. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so he starts the second song yeah. and plays like a second of it. And I'm like, pause it. I know the answer. <laughs> and no one else at the cottage knew what the second song was, right. let alone what the theme was. Right. And so my everyone starts getting mad, and my uncle's like, "Wait, maybe he's wrong." Yeah. And I'm like, it's it's all songs that have stuttering in them. Like you're also gonna play "Bad to the Bone" <laughs> and "Foolin' by Def Lap. And my uncle's like, "Here's the money, Matt." <laughs> but so that was, I think, what really kicked off the idea for yeah. me. And so then I just started thinking about things, and then I hear a song, and I know something about it, and I'm like, "All right, 
maybe that can be a theme. And the challenge was with four-hour shows, usually you'd play three songs an hour. So I'd need a theme that had at least 12 songs that tied it together. Right. And there'd be some themes that I'd come up with that would only have nine songs. So I'd use, save those for a day, like if we had a game day. Sure. If, if we had... We're going off... We're done at five, five so yes. I only need nine songs today. Okay, yeah. that's okay. And then, so that that's how the whole thing started was because of the pandemic, and uh, it just sort of blossomed. And I, I would, I, I have a note somewhere on my phone. I haven't done it in a long time, but uh, with theme ideas. More so, themes, yeah. Well, so if I was driving around and something came to me, I'd like write it down so I wouldn't forget it. Mm-hmm. And uh, then had a few listeners who... I found my my note here, by the way, so okay. I can take you through some of the sure, ones that I, I used yeah, and yeah. that I didn't use. Yeah. But uh, so I have like songs that the band hated playing. So like Radiohead hated Creep. Okay. And in, in fact, Johnny Greenwood hated it so much that the song Creep by Radiohead, you have the little <laughs> before the chorus. Yeah. And that was Johnny Greenwood trying to sabotage the song. <laughs> and it ended up becoming this super iconic moment in the song. But so that was... I think Billy Joel hated... Uh, we didn't start the fire. We didn't start the fire. Yeah. He says it's like this juvenile little riff like I'm sick of and it's become his biggest hit. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and a lot of them were were songs that became the biggest hit. And, you know, you'd play a show. I know the Foo Fighters hated playing um, Big Me. Okay. Because their music video for it was the Futos commercial, parodying the Mentos commercial. <laughs> and so it shows whenever they would play that song, fans would chuck Mentos at them. Aww. And it got dangerous. Yeah. And so they stopped playing it because it became a danger for them. Wow. Um, I know, like, the Bare Naked Ladies, I don't think they ever hated if I had a million dollars, but they had more craft dinner than they knew what to do with yeah, because people would bring craft dinner to the shows. And when they'd say, we wouldn't have to eat craft dinner, but we would eat craft dinner, people would just pitch it at, pitch it at the stage. And so they'd have just crates of craft dinner. A trailer um, behind the tour bus. Yeah. Pulling their craft dinner. Yeah, exactly. But So I've got um, like artists who've appeared on Sesame Street, for example. Feist. Uh, that's all I got. Dave Grohl. My niece was obsessed with Dave Grohl really? on Sesame yeah. Street. Oh, <laughs> she was obsessed. Um, songs that were released posthumously. So I've got all, like, I've got a huge, yeah. huge list of themes. And then we'd have listeners who'd want to get in on it. Sure. And I, I, I'd get emails three times a week from some listeners with theme <laughs> ideas that really wanted to participate. And So uh, how come it stopped? It just became difficult to come up with a theme mm-hmm. every week right um when i'd been doing it for as long as i had and now i i just try to sometimes i'll i'll fit them in organically like if i were working today right i'd be playing taylor swift all day and aj would want to murder me because he hates a right, lot of this music is the travis kelsey right yeah. and she's like the biggest story in the sports world today i'm even wearing my taylor swift shirt and i'm not a swifty <laughs> But we got free shirts at work. They had a, a box of them. And so all the drive guys <laughs> got one. Lever Sage wears it as his pickleball playoff shirt. And I will say, now that I'm on this show and yeah. I have this platform, yeah. uh, yours truly and Jackie Perez from CTV News at 6 o'clock <laughs> defeated Lever Sage and Stephanie Ha in the pickleball final 
to win the pickleball I knew that championship. That was coming up. It was on my list here to ask season. you about is is the pickleball champion. This has become a thing across Ottawa media. Uh, it's become intense. And I got to be honest, throughout the summer, trying to find guests becomes difficult because they're always playing everyone's pickleball? playing pickleball. <laughs> I can't get a hold of people who are like, oh, no, not that night. That's pickleball night. Yeah. Like, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jackie and I had a. a tremendous season and ended up winning the championship over lee and his partner okay. in the final yeah. so uh but yeah the biggest story in the sports world and in the world of pop culture today is taylor swift watching yeah. the game the chiefs game with travis kelsey's mom <laughs> and being shown on screen all the time I, i've i've seen lots of complaints from american viewers because the game was on fox and it was an absolute blowout and so fox in the states switched their feed to a different game and all the Swifties who were like, Taylor's on. Taylor's on Fox. I, I'm only watching I'm because I'm only watching for her. <laughs> and now I can't see her. What is Fox doing? But it's it's just absolutely blown up. Well, and so today I'd be playing Taylor Swift. Sure. And like I've seen on Twitter today, like like a retweet of Cosmo. Everything that you need to know about Taylor and NFL superstar uh, Travis Kelsey or yeah. whatever. Like this is... It's one of those stories that crosses. It's transcended sports. Even Bill Belichick's commenting on it. Oh, his quote was incredible. (laughs) It's hilarious. And if people missed it, said something along the lines of, you know, Travis Kelsey's made a lot of big catches in his career. This would be the biggest. Yeah. (laughs) I love the hoodie. I also hate the hoodie, but man, I love the hoodie. I I love when he shows his sense of humor, which isn't often, which is what makes it so great. It's because you know he has it. Yep. And he chooses to hide it from everyone right. 90% of the time. What did you think of uh, Usher being announced as the halftime show for the Super Bowl this year? Makes sense to me. Yeah? And uh, my, it's funny because I, I told my wife and she was like, what year is it? Exactly. And I was like, it's our year. Oh. You know you know what's happened mm-hmm. is they're not trying to cater to the I know youth this. of today. They're right. not trying to cater to the kids. Or they're to the tr- hardcore football fan. No, they're it's- trying to draw in people who are in that right demographic to mm-hmm. have disposable income. And you know who that is? People who <laughs> like listen to Usher. to Usher in high school <laughs> yeah. and elementary school. Yeah. And like... Like, I understand what they're going for when they do these, right? It's not meant for me because I'm watching the game anyway. Right. But I still kind of went, really? Like, Usher's the guy. I, it, to me, it, there still needs to be a little bit more relevance, I would have thought, than this. So I was surprised, not particularly irritated. The halftime show is often <laughs> when I need to go have a piss and get a new <laughs> beer and make a snack or whatever's going on. Uh, and I say that, but I do. Like, I watched when it was Shakira and uh, mm-hmm. and whatever. I watched when... I Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. Beyonce. Katy Rihanna. Perry was cute as a button. That was a great Left halftime Left Shark. Show. Left Shark was iconic. That was hilarious. That I was loved gr- Left Shark. So, and what was the one a couple years ago? It was Eminem. Yeah, Dr. Snoop. Dre, Snoop. Yeah, like that. It's all fine. And I get into that. Um, yeah, I, I still, I, I was caught off guard by Usher. I, I guess you were on top of that a little I, bit more. I was right? not expecting it, but when I saw it, I was like, okay, yeah. I get it. They're they're catering to nostalgia to the people who are in their mid to late thirties. Yeah, and it, it it seems like a smart marketing ploy. Yeah, and I, I mean, if you could get Taylor Swift, that'd be incredible I, I for the that's NFL next year. The end of that tour kind of lines up with yeah. But it like reports are that she turned down yeah a, a, an offer this year, and I mean. I, I was listening to, I think when I was driving 
he was either to work out at the uh, Sens Leafs game yesterday. Right. Uh, that's that must have been. I was listening to ESPN Radio, and one of the guys was sort of stirring the pot <laughs> and saying that Taylor Swift wasn't big enough for the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, it's like Taylor Swift's too big for the Super Bowl <laughs> at the moment, for sure. Like a hundred percent. Taylor Swift isn't big enough for the Super Bowl, but Usher is. Yeah. Well, and, and again, that's the thing. Like, I, th- I think that we're going to see that. And like my favorite Super Bowl halftime show of all time was Prince. Really? He played Purple Rain in the Rain. Yeah, right. Come on. How are you going to beat that? And his set was incredible. Um, some of the behind the scenes stories were incredible. Because uh, he's a fairly interesting guy. Well, was a fairly was, interesting oh, guy. Yeah. Like his demands and the way you had to speak to him and stuff are pretty legendary, right? But I, I know there, there's a great feature on like a bit of the behind the scenes of that Super Bowl halftime show. Right. And uh, the producer of the show saw that there was rain in the forecast and like Prince was wearing huge platform heels and his dancers were in stilettos oh, and boy. it was like a glass stage. So he was like, <laughs> and, he, and he'd heard all these stories about, you know, how finicky Prince can be. Mm-hmm. And so he went to Prince and was like, it looks like there's some rain potentially in the forecast. Like, are you going to be all right to play the halftime show? And Prince just looked at him and said, can you make it rain more? So he fully leaned into yeah, it wow. and put on, to me, my favorite halftime show hmm. by far. And an- another great moment is the halftime performers are contractually obligated to do a press conference. Right. And Prince wouldn't do press conferences. <laughs> so, but he was contractually obligated to. So Prince came out with a guitar and his two dancers, the twins, and... uh as soon as the first reporter started to ask a question, he played a guitar solo and then walked off. <laughs> so he came out. It was like Marshawn Lynch before Marshawn Lynch. Like, I'm just here so I don't get fined. This is the Daryl Sutter press conference, right? <laughs> like it's, I like that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I have a favorite. I remember being, to be honest with you, disappointed with the Rihanna one. Yeah. Because I thought they tried too hard to jam too many songs into it. Hmm. Like, it was just bouncing from... Like song to song to song, like slow down. Give me just a little bit more. Like instead of trying to give me sixteen songs, I don't give me twelve, but yeah. an extra thirty seconds on each of them or something. I, I found that one, um, and because quite frankly, I like a lot of Rihanna's songs. Yeah, she's got some bangers, right? And so you don't have to give me all of them though in this, you know, whatever it is, seven minute show that you got. Yeah, so. I, I don't know if it's a good thing that what becomes most memorable about your musical performance is the reveal that you're pregnant. Right. And uh, I mean, it was an internet-shattering moment. Yep. And a moment for... It did make a, her performance that much more impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And but a, the sele- the way it was put together, uh, I just it didn't do it for me. Any. Yeah, and, and that's a big part of the issue with the halftime show, is you've got to balance mm-hmm. playing your hits with playing a good set. Yep. And that was one of the things that stood out to me for Princess. Right. I love Bruce Springsteen's halftime show. I thought that one was really I don't good. Even remember, that was a while ago, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was a while ago. Okay. But played Glory Days. I think he slid into the camera at one point. Um, but I, I, I love top Bruce Shania Twain dog sledding. Oh, in, uh, <laughs> can't beat that. <laughs> Talking about Great Cup halftime yes, shows. Yes, of course. That one's a totally timer. Um, if you're at home, you're not putting together a playlist. And, and what is what are you likely to go to as a music guy? What's your favorite genre or something that you know if we went through your collection we would find most heavily influenced i I guess it would probably be classic rock yeah classic rock's the number one i I still have an old 
iPod video, and I've got it wow. plugged into a Bluetooth speaker, but it doesn't have Bluetooth, so it's plugged <laughs> in with the aux cable. Right. And uh, I've got a, a playlist of thousands of songs on that that uh, comes on when we're cooking dinner and eating dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a pretty decent record collection now. Yeah. I inherited a turntable from my late friend mm-hmm. and a bunch of his vinyl, and he was the biggest Bruce Springsteen fan in the world. Uh, it was for a long time, like when we were in high school, I'd be trying to play him The Who or Led Zeppelin. Right. All he would listen to was Bruce. <laughs> um, but so I've got, I've got a, mo- like all the key albums from Springsteen's discography, but I, I stole a bunch of my dad's vinyl. Um, but so like the Beatles are probably my favorite band of all time. Um, yeah. I, I love Tool. Okay. And if if we're getting a little different, uh, <laughs> I, I've seen them three times, and I've seen A Perfect Circle twice. Maynard James Keenan, I think, has one of the best voices in rock. Who have you seen the most often? Like, I think just by happenstance, Blue Rodeo. Oh yeah. I think I've seen Blue Rodeo like seven or eight times. Right. But I, I've seen I've seen the Rolling Stones twice. I've seen Bruce Springsteen three times, and I have tickets to see him next month. Oh, wow. Although he's got peptic ulcers and he's Ooh. had to postpone all of his shows this month. So right. fingers crossed he'll be healthy enough for the show in Ottawa. It's um, funny you talk about Blue Rodeo. Someone asked me, because they know, uh, it's for me it's the hip, the band I've seen the most mm-hmm. times. I've seen the hip 11 times. They said, who have you seen the second most times? And I'm like, oh wow, I don't even know. And so I started to think, I think it's Sam Roberts. Because oh. Sam Roberts always opens for the <laughs> show. Sam Roberts is one I've only seen him once. I've been supposed to see Sam Roberts like five or six times. and I saw just, Sam Roberts here at Blues Fest the same night Collective Soul was here. That was a oh, fun night. Oh, yeah. And then a couple of those, you know, just uh, the big music fest in Belleville or when the hip played in Bob Cage. And like it, they always invite Sam Roberts as the opening band. So I bet you I've seen the hip 11 times. I bet you've seen Sam Roberts six or seven times. Just that's because. outstanding. Yeah, <laughs> I never would have thought of that. But, and they always put on a good show. Yeah. Like I would never say Sam Roberts is one of my favorite bands, but I'm never annoyed or disappointed when i got an hour of them before the hip yeah, come on while i'm Canadiana. getting some beers and into me and whatever else but it, that was only like a few months ago somebody asked me that and i was like oh shit I, and it's really only because they're always with them so yeah that's that's funny <laughs> i've seen the mars volta twice and i'd never buy a ticket to see them I'm right. not a big fan but saw them they opened for the chilies twice okay i saw the chilies on their i believe it was the by the way tour when i was in high school right. on the floor here in ottawa oh wow An incredible show yeah and then the next time I saw them um, on their Stadium Arcadium tour, mm-hmm. I think that was the show where the Mars Volta opened again, and the lead singer had his back to the audience the entire show. That's a good one. And, like, one. wouldn't look at us at wow. all. Um, You're the opening act, buddy. I know. You're not <laughs> the main. What are you doing here? You're not the main star. <laughs> How's your beer? Uh, my beer's almost empty. Yeah, mine is empty, so. All right, we're going to grab another beer and uh, stay there. We'll be back. All right, we're back in. Uh, had to grab another beer. This is this is the way the show has gone. We used to do these shows on on one beer, and we'd force people what? to nurse. Th- I know it was a terrible Why? idea. We had to grow, right? As the oh. show grew, we had to learn that it's a terrible way to treat your guest. You know what? Go. Now I'm glad that it took this long for to me get to be in. a first time guest <laughs> because one beer, nursing one beer, it would have been great. Well, like, don't get me sure. wrong, but we had Scotty Mac in here, our first ever in person like media guest. Um, Love Scotty Mac. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorites. That was maybe 
whenever it was Grey Cup week when it was here in Ottawa. Okay. And um, that week, AJ had also come on, but he'd come on remotely. So Scotty was our first in. Was he on time? Uh, I don't recall. Okay. He hasn't been ever since. Uh, but no, AJ. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although the last time AJ was in, he called me and said something had fallen through on him. He's like, "Can I come an hour early?" And I was hmm. not prepared for that. Like I had dinner in the oven still. Yeah. And I'm like, because I know you're going to be late, and oh, no, here he comes. So, <laughs> uh, uh, But when Scotty was in here, um, like I said, it was Grey Cup week, so 1050 had sent him up to do Radio Row, and uh, I should have let you open your beer before I started telling this no, story. No, please do. Um, I'll open it mid-story. I don't sure, care. that's fine. And, uh, and so I sent him a message on, like, Facebook Messenger. I don't even know why we were Facebook friends. Like, we'd never met. We'd whatever. And uh, I just said, hey, any interest in coming over and since you're up here having a beer and, and just talking some sports? And for whatever reason, he said yes. Because he's so, a great guy. Because he's a good guy. Yeah, so he best. came in and uh, we're talking about who's going to get Shohei Otani. He hadn't yet come to MLB. And, and so uh, he had finished his beer, I guess. And I asked him a question. He goes, well, we can get into that. But I didn't come over here for just one beer. <laughs> Oh, got Scotty. it. There's nothing subtle you about beauty. It. Yeah. So we took a break, got him a beer, and <laughs> and uh, and went from there. What did you grab this time? Uh, well, you inspired me. Oh. You were talking about Whippersnapper yeah. making their uh, delivery. I'm going uh, Whippersnapper Rock and Hops. Okay. New England IPA. That's a nice beer. Um, I don't think I've ever had it. They blow through things really fast over there. Eh? Like I was talking to to Ian about it, and he it, it's a way to keep. Like they have a couple of staples that they always have so that, you know, when you go in there, I can get this whippersnapper beer. Right. And, and you kind of know what you like, but as far as like the new stuff that they're making, like he turns it over constantly so that it's interesting for him to keep making it. It's interesting for you as, as someone who likes a craft beer to keep coming in and getting things like, so a lot of these, I, I find myself, I don't think I've ever had this before. And you're like, well, yeah, it didn't exist six weeks ago. So, <laughs> um, they make really nice stuff there too. And, uh, yeah, I enjoyed that one, but I have moved this time. Uh, to a classic, everybody knows, uh, the octopus wants, oh, to, fight wants to fight. Yes. Love that beer. One of my favorites. And so when I'm grabbing stuff to just kind of keep around the house, uh, whether it's going to be for the show or not, I always end up grabbing a few of those. It's, it's a classic. I used to drink a lot of those at the arrow and loon oh, yeah. doing, uh, Ottawa trivia league trivia with my old trivia team before, uh, our friends moved to Etobicoke. Right. But okay. uh, love the octopus wants to fight. Great beer. Great beer. Um, where do you stand? Because I know you're a music guy and, uh, and whatever. On uh, When you came in here, I had a little rancid oh, going. A little, and out come the wolves. And out comes the wolves. A great album. Incredible um, album. I, I like to spin some rancid um, semi-regularly on the drive. Uh, the, the Journey from East Bay. Love that song. It's one of my favorites. I have to make sure that I've got the right host because there, there are some swears in that one. Yes. So if, if it's like Graham Creech, sometimes I'll let the Let's song run. breathe for quite a while. I need you to get in now. <laughs> yeah, I've got an out time. Like you, you need to. And, and the thing about that song is at least the swear doesn't come until I think the second verse. Right. Uh, this place ain't a Mecca. This place is, I'm not going to say it. This place is fucking, uh, I forget <laughs> I, what it, I can't, this place no, is No, it's just effed. But I, I, I can't. Place as fuck. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. I can't say it. No. I've, I've, uh, Shrides is like that. When she comes in yeah. here, she's like, I cannot allow myself to get into a habit where I'm okay swearing into a microphone. She's like, it's going to end poorly. It's so. not even a habit for me, honestly. Like, I, I started, as, as we talked about earlier, I, I started at CFGO 1200 17 years ago today. Right. 
Uh, so I started radio broadcasting my career uh, with college at Algonquin College and CKDJ uh, 17 years and about a month ago. Okay. And it's it's just in my brain. If I've got a microphone in front of me, I'm not going to swear. Yeah, I, I just can't. I can't do it. She's like that most of the time, unless she's really fired up about something. And occasionally <laughs> she'll let her go. But uh, I think she's the same way that just like, yeah, if I see a microphone, my brain says not now. Whereas I have no such self-control and nor do I need to. So, uh, but yeah, that sort of style of music, like uh, to me, that was in the, the mid late nineties, exactly sort of what I was getting into as someone who at the time thought he was pretty punk, but mm. was really a pretty significant poser. Um, <laughs> but you know, rancid, Pennywise, Bad Religion, uh, you know, you, you, Blink-182, like all these sorts of Green Day pop punk bands. Any like of that speak to Lagwagon. Lagwagon is cool. Bouncing Souls. Love some Bouncing Souls. Uh, I'll say it again on the show. For the longest time, if it wasn't the Tragically Hip, I would have said Anti-Flag was my favorite band. And okay. The lead singer has just been uh, accused by, oh man, like two dozen women of, oh. uh, so... That's an uncomfortable spot now yeah. where you're sort of like, anyway, like any of that sort of uh, creep into your collection at all? or uh? So uh, at the time, no. Right. At the time, no. I had a lot of friends, especially in high school in the early 2000s, who were huge into like Pennywise. Some 41. And, <laughs> I, I, I liked some 41. Yeah. I, I liked Blink. Yeah. Like I was more of the, the pop punk. Sure. Like the Same. straight yeah. punk, rancid. um like Pennywise, those bands. That Offspring. I love the Offspring. Yeah. So yeah. Offspring Smash is one of my formative albums. Okay. Um, my cousin Jordan. Oh, he had it on cassette tape. <laughs> and I would listen to it at the cottage when I was way too young and listen yeah. to Bad Habit mm. and and sing along quietly, like listening in <laughs> headphones because I didn't want my parents to know what I was listening yeah. to. But yeah, Smash by the Offspring and Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness by the Smashing yeah, Pumpkins okay. are two of my absolute formative albums. Yeah, but uh, for the most part, the and and like Dookie by Green Day, yep. Nimrod by Green Day was another one I listened 100%. to a lot. At uh, is it the the gr- the Grump, the Grouch? What was the song? I'm not. Uh, um, it's you're asking me Nimrod. to go back quite yeah. a ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't have it track by track, obviously, but uh, but that w- that was one. Yeah, I can't have sex because I can't get it up. <laughs> Wife's a nag, and I hate everything, and the world owes me so bleep you. Uh, was a song that I listened to a lot at the cottage again because it was. So forbidden. one of the things that the boys didn't warn you about is that I often have a tendency to sit back, let people say something, and then capture it out of. Out of context. <laughs> Great. And it'll be, you know, oh. if you text me, that'll be the ringtone or whatever. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I'm yeah. just quoting Green Day. 100%. I'm with you. I'm, I'm we'll take quoting it Billy It's your first day here. <laughs> I just okay. finished a great book uh, called Smash, obviously named after the, the Offspring album. And it's all about kind of those four bands coming out of California. It's Bad Religion. It's Offspring, Green Day, uh, and Rancid. Mm-hmm. And just sort of their... Um, and I remember seeing a documentary like 10, 15 years ago, and I know I haven't been able to find it again since, cause I had it on DVD and now I have nothing to play DVDs on. And so I, I guess I'm <laughs> going to have to look for it on like YouTube or something, <laughs> but probably on YouTube. It was called, uh, the year punk broke and it was 94 and it's, it's all those bands having huge smash albums the exact same year and right. taking this kind of pop punk California scene into the mainstream and. 
Uh, that's what this whole book is about by uh, Ian Winwood. I will say to the good listener, if you want to check it out, if that's your scene at all, uh, we'll put the link to it in the show notes. Anything you buy through our links, we get the, the kickback. You know the drill. Um, but it's a great read on how all these bands kind of came together and put that style of music through the mid and late 90s on the map and led to your Blink 182s and your Sum 41s and your all these things that by the year 2000, that's what rock was, right? Yeah. It's kind of overwhelming. Yeah. It was that style. Yeah. yeah. Well, Treble uh, Charger and Gob. Oh, man. So so <laughs> Treble Charger and Gob, I, I played it. I had a band in high school. Nice. I played drums. Okay. And our, our band, our first ever show, we played a coffee house at Colonel By. Okay. I think we were in grade 10. And we were, most of us, pretty nerdy looking dudes. <laughs> uh, I weighed like 110 pounds soaking wet. And, Any uh, Weezer songs in your playlist? <laughs> uh, no Weezer there. Uh, it was Speaking a lot of nerdy of looking Our musicians. Lady Peace. Yes, okay. Um, but our first set, uh, I know we played Navid yeah. by Our Lady Peace, and our I'm trying to remember what our first song was, but our it, it was probably Flavor of the Week by American High Five, of course. And then we closed with American Psycho He's by Treble Charger. Nintendo. I wish a that classic. I could make her see. A oh, yeah. But we closed <laughs> with Treble Charger, American Psycho. Yep. And it was all the, uh, then it was OAC students, I guess, because um, I, I graduated af- the year after the double cohort. Oh, okay. Yep. But when I was in grade 10, we still had OAC students. Yep. So they were the guys doing the lights and everything, and they mainly only did lights for the last band. <laughs> But we got an impromptu light show during American Psycho. <laughs> nice. And it was like one of the coolest moments in my life at sure. that point. Because it was like the, all these guys, We've so many it. people came Colonel to Bob laugh Coffee at us. House. We're here, man. Yeah. We've, we have arrived. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, we my, my band, we played lots of OLP. Yes. We played lots of Treble Charger. We played lots of Gob. Like everything that was on basically the NHL video games at the time, yeah, right? Exactly. Like 01, 02. No Goldfinger. No, oh, love uh, that was Tony Hawk, I guess. Yes, but uh, it's but yeah. true. Yeah, those first two, oh, three man. Tony Superman, Hawk games. Yes. just incredible, incredible tune. Yeah. Did you see the video of them doing it in the pandemic, and they were all on their different Zoom channels? No, and, I don't think I oh, did. Yo, that's that's that your up. YouTube homework. Okay, for the night. I'll check that out. Um. But yeah, really interesting read uh, since we're on the subject. I, like I said, we'll, for the good listener, if that's your thing at all, we'll uh, we'll put the links. Yeah, in the I'm going to check it's, that one out. It's, it's a good one. I haven't sure. heard of it, and that is super appealing. Right now I'm reading, uh, I think it's by Warren Zane, but it's uh, about the recording and the importance of Nebraska, the Bruce Springsteen album. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, that's what I'm reading yeah, right okay. now. I'm about halfway through. We'll throw a link in there too if uh, if Bruce String- Springsteen is more up your alley there to uh, to everybody listening. I finished last summer one similar vein to the one I had just mentioned called Sellout. And it's some of the similar bands, but it's it's bands who have all been accused of like being punk rock but selling out to the mainstream. And so right. it comes a little further into the future like your Rise Against or your My Chemical Romance or like things like that that all started in kind of the scene and then got big and now you're supposed to hate them because they got good at their job since we're talking music yeah um my chemical romance one of the most surprising bands i've seen live really in what way so i was not a fan at all okay uh but to be fair i hadn't really listened to much of their stuff yeah and they were touring when i was in college and their opening act was muse 
Nice. All right. And I was a huge Muse guy. Right. Yeah. Huge, huge Muse guy. And so the tickets went on sale. My Chemical Romance coming to Ottawa. And I immediately bought the Max. I think it was six. Yeah. And bought the six tickets and was like, I'm, I, I don't even know who's coming with me, <laughs> but it's going to be amazing because we're going to see Muse open for My Chemical Romance. Right. So I buy the tickets. And then like a couple days later, realize Muse play their last show supporting them two days before oh, their no. show <laughs> and i'm like oh no i'm a college student as as we touched on earlier like i'm working two shifts a week yeah. at a radio station uh, and limited time and less very money. much entry level <laughs> i have no money right and i just bought six tickets to a show that i don't even want to go to anymore because <laughs> right. i don't want to see my chemical romance i want to see muse right muse isn't coming what what the hell am i gonna do <laughs> And I, I managed to pawn off four of the tickets to a, a colleague of mine or a, a student, a fellow student of mine at the radio station in college. Mm-hmm. So I had two tickets left and the bassist from my high school band was a huge MCR fan. Okay. And so I was like, you know what? I'll go with you. Right. And it was their Black Parade album. Yeah. Uh, their, their tour. And they blew my mind. I, I could not believe how good the show was. And I haven't gotten into the rest of their catalog, no. but Welcome to the Black Parade, I love that album. Of course. And and they converted me, and that was a show that I went in with no expectations. I, I was like, I'm, I'm just going because this is a sunk cost, and yes. I'd rather go <laughs> than just lose the money and, 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 and not get anything out of it. But they, they blew my mind. That was an incredible show. That's sort of, ha- like that type of thing happened to me a lot because I always liked these kind of, punk bands right so they would mm-hmm. open more than they would ever headline right. right and so i remember going billy talent on yep. their first ever arena tour when they had made it kind of big and this was the first time they were ever going to play the acc and me and some friends from college went down but i went because rise against anti-flag and monine were the three opening acts oh, okay and i i went there expecting i'll watch the first three bands and i'll see you guys at the i'll be at the bar and I'll, yeah you guys can enjoy billy talent now, I did end up watching, because I had seen Billy Talent a couple years earlier at Warp Tour, and they were just awful live. <laughs> just awful. Um, and it was right on the heels of uh, their first hit, their Try Honesty. I remember, yeah, yeah my, my, my guitarist had been to some show that Billy Talent played at, and yeah. came with a demo. And it's like, you've got to listen to this song. This song's unbelievable. <laughs> they were so bad live oh. when I saw them at Warped. And so they're a couple years more mature, and they're... You know, at Warped, you get what you get in terms yeah. of production and sound quality. This is now a thing they're headlining in right. good arenas. They played a really good show, and I did stay, and I watched it, and I thought it was so cool. He stopped halfway through the show, Ben there, the lead singer, and he's kind of saying, like, our band has played in every piece of shit dive bar across this country. We have, you know, been in every barn, every awful nightclub, and... To play here in the biggest arena in the country in terms of, you know, who gets the biggest names that headline our hometown he said, you guys have no idea how cool this is for us. And, and even like I said, it's improved, uh, it's improved production. It's a better environment, all that stuff. But clearly they had gotten better as mm-hmm. well as, as they would. They were a young band at the time. And I do remember leaving that going. I'm glad I saw that. That was kind of cool. Right. Even though I had paid what you would call Billy talent prices to expecting to just be watching Rise Against Anti-Flag and, and Monine and the headliner turned out to be pretty good. But that happened to me. Like I saw Anti-Flag open for Green Day. Right. I liked Green Day, but I was there for Anti-Flag. Yeah. 
So it, it just happens a lot that, you know, if you're uh, here in Ottawa, 2012, I saw Gaslight Anthem open for Rise Against and I was there to see Gaslight Anthem. So right. uh, it happens, right? And, oh, uh, it, it's, I, I remember friends, for some reason, I wasn't at the show because I was seeing Cake at Blues Fest. And as you do, yeah. man, that show was awesome. Yeah, they were they were so good. I <laughs> I I love Cake. Nice. Uh, I know they're a very divisive band. A lot of people. I don't hate them. I just don't think I'd go see them. Oh, right? they like they were awesome. But all of my friends that night were at. I, for some reason, I think it was Green Day and Avril Lavigne was the yeah, double bill be. that night. Yeah, okay. And like Green Day was opening for Avril in some weird backwards world. Right. And so all my friends were at the Green Day show, and one of my buddies. One of his favorite songs is Frank Sinatra by Cake. And so I remember taking a video <laughs> sure. of it. Uh, it. It actually probably wasn't a video because I don't think my phone had video on it. It might have <laughs> just been like a voice memo. Right. But I took a video of Frank Sinatra and I was like, I sent it to him and I'm like, hope you're enjoying Avril, you loser. <laughs> like, but uh, uh, like, it, it, it's one of those things. And as, as you said about Billy Talent, like that's something I saw... I was at the Pumpkin Show just a few weeks ago here in Ottawa, nice. and Interpol opened for them. Okay. And one of the people I went with went to see Interpol and stuck around for Pumpkins. And Interpol was really good, but their mixing was just so-so. Right. And it, it's one of those things. When you see a headliner, the mixing is geared to them. Yep. And so the openers, and, and that's probably a big reason that I'm not a big Mars Volta guy, is yeah, the, yeah. the mixing was geared towards the Chili's. And so they didn't sound probably as good as they would were they headlining. Yeah. Well, and I know that's been an issue a couple times here at Blues Fest. I saw the Black Keys in maybe 2013. Was that the storm show? I don't Where know. it got rained out for a while no, and most of the no. people left. This, I don't think this was that. Okay. So, but it wasn't very good. And like they have a very specific sound. And yeah. now you're sort of at a festival environment and it wasn't. And I remember going to Iron Maiden in maybe 2012 or something, they played Blues Fest, and they are notoriously like, no, you don't, we bring our own shit, right? Like, we have our <laughs> own people, and it had become a fight that, they, like, we're not going on unless you let us run the show, basically, and I, I don't remember how it all got resolved, but it, it's one of those things that happens quite a bit, and, and yeah, if you're the opening act, you're sort of just subject to you gotta, whatever you can get. Yeah, you gotta adapt. make the best with what you have. Right, so... Uh, three books there. We'll all put uh, in the show notes here at talkinaudio.com or wherever you're hearing us. Uh, good stuff to check out. I want to ask you, because you have been up close covering, as you've mentioned, uh, and hosting the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks broadcast yes. on TSN 1200. I think I've done 11 games on the pregame show and nine on the post. How, how's the, the phone calls going at the end at this point? <laughs> I, I just... like. The text line, I can't oh. imagine. I'm sure there's stuff. Speaking of things you can't say on a microphone. Oh, my goodness. There was one night, I, I think one of the first post-game shows, where we had one guy, and I think he had had a few too many, <laughs> and it got personal. And it was, like, I think he sent us 40 texts. Oh, my God. In about a span of 10 minutes. <laughs> and he's, he's naming my wife. Holy crap. And he's like, I know Holy her crap. friends, and we're going to sell you out. And it was... For what? Not being hard enough on the team? What was this? For beat? not reading... I, I don't even know. Yeah. Like, I didn't read his text yet, and then he spiraled. <laughs> um, that, so that that was one that stands out. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been... The, f- it's the fans been are pissed. Yeah, the like fans are pissed. And this fan base, 
it's been said here, it's been said on your stage, Scott, like this fan base has been remarkably patient, remarkably supportive in the amount of games that people still go to despite never getting wins at home. Um, yeah, I think it was 20K on Friday night yeah. against the Riders. And it didn't, I'll be honest with you, it didn't look like that on TV. No. I, I texted AJ and said, man, like that's looking weak. And he said, this might be the best crowd of the year. Well, and so I watched the first half because we do the pregame show and the halftime show from our TSN 1200 tent, which is down in the corner, the southwest corner okay. of, of the, right so by the Subaru Bank log cabin. Yeah, oh, yeah, right yeah, by the Subaru yeah. log cabin. We're in the corner. And uh, it's it's not a great position to see what's happening on the field. Right. So I usually take off once uh, once we finish the pregame show. And I was watching most of the first half from the concourse on the south side. Right. Right around the the thirty yard line, mm-hmm. and it was jammed. Okay. It was jammed, and that and that's something that I think a lot of people and and one of the great things about the Ottawa Red Blacks and the job Oseg has done is they've made the games entertaining to, to attend, mm-hmm. even if the product on the field yeah. isn't where you want it it's to be. It's sort of become like a place to be. You can yeah. still meet up with people on the concourse, on the bridge, on whatever, have some beers, still meet up with people, even if the game kind of stinks, which it has as often as not. Well, and, and the, I think part of the problem this year and what's so frustrating is the games haven't stunk. Like, no. they've been right there. The results. It, it, it's not like last year where they're, and, and two years no, ago, you're right. like, especially where they're getting blown out and they have no shot. I think the frustrating thing this year is they're so close. And it's something that my co-host, James Duke Ellingson, and I have talked about, and Duke's been really going on about, is but for a couple of decisions late in games, mm-hmm. this team could be have a 500 record easily. Like you, you think about some of the games they lost, Saskatchewan, where they kick the field goal. They're they're third and one, yeah, or third and goal from the one, and they kick a field goal, and Saskatchewan has a great return off the kickoff and and kicks the game winning field goal. You have the the game against Montreal where they had I think a seventeen point lead that evaporated, and Caleb mm-hmm. Evans ends up rushing in the game winning touchdown, uh, running past Adam O'Claire, and then taunting the crowd after he scores the game-winning yeah. touchdown. Yeah. Um, you think about that game where Bo Levi-Mitchell threw five picks and you're second in goal from the four and you bring on Ante Milanovic-Litre. And, and and no criticism, no no disrespect to him as a player. Sure. But you line up in the shotgun on second and goal from the four with your power running back that everybody knows exactly what you're going to do. <laughs> And you do exactly what everybody thinks you're yep. going to do. You're tackled for loss, and that ends up being the game. You go for it on third and probably now six, like third and goal from the six. You turn it over on downs. Hamilton ends up taking a stupid penalty, and that's what ended up costing Bo Levi Mitchell likely his season. Yeah. Because instead of victory formation, he tries to rush yeah, the ball. Yeah. Um, but well, even this week. Yeah, it looked like you were going to piss that one away. I'm and, sitting next to Duke, and yeah. there, there. I, I think it was, it was before the punt return for the touchdown, and Duke is like, "There's no fathomable way. It's unfathomable <laughs> yet? that the Red Blacks can lose this game, right?" Yeah, and I'm like, "It's unfathomable, but you never know." <laughs> and then, sure enough, you have the punt return for the touchdown. Uh, Bob Dice 
you would think learns from his mistake kicking the field goal from 50 the week before in BC <laughs> that gets returned for a touchdown. Yeah. But instead, you punt and you give up the touchdown. Then they recover the onside kick and, and proceed March. to score a ch- yep. touchdown again. And Get it's like, two. oh, my God, they're going to they're they're blow this again. again. Yes. And to their credit, the special sure. teams unit didn't uh, concede the next onside kick. And you get to finish a game in victory formation for the first time in longer than I can remember. <laughs> I'm surprised Dustin Crum remembered how to do that. I, I, I <laughs> oh, ask he's been you, dreaming about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. I, when this season started, we started without Jeremiah Masoli, and you're kind of like, um, I think a lot of us thought he'd be there for game one, and he's mm-hmm. not. And so it starts on a bit of a bummer of a note, but you're still like, okay, he'll be back within yeah, a week or two. Hope. It's going to be fine. He comes in. And he gets hurt immediately again. Yeah, Crumb comes in because well, Tyree Adams. Tyree came in. Adams. That's right. Had the great game against the Elks. Yeah, but suffer. He finished he, the game, but suffered the season ending. Up, yeah, like a day or two later, they're like, yeah. "By the way, he's done for the year." And yeah. Like, what the? F-? Yeah. So then we end up with Dustin Crumb. Yep. And he starts like it, it's not his first game. I think it's his second and his third where we get wins out of it, right? One in overtime, the big comeback against Winnipeg. Well, he came in in relief, yeah. I believe, against the Tabbies yes. in the game that Masoli went down. Yeah, and he's showing that he can run a little bit, right? Like, that's what he's doing there. And Yeah, and he, he didn't do a whole bunch until the fourth quarter. Right. And then he, he got tackled on, like, the one-and-a-half-yard yeah. line on what would have been a potentially game-tying score. Right. And so... Then you end up getting these two wins. One is is against Winnipeg. Yep. The other is Calgary. Yes, I think. And so they were three th- and three. Yeah, and even then, and, and I I had done two two pregame shows. They were two and zero oh in overtime, yeah. and and I was bragging. I was like, you know what? <laughs> Keep me on the mic. You know what? I'm I'm not. I I just want to say two and zero oh with me doing the pregame right. show. And so. At that time, though, you still they start to struggle again, and it starts to feel like okay, this is. Let's remember our fourth string quarterback. Yep. And the only reason we're staying in these games is the defense. And then he sort of starts to figure it out yep. and they get going. And it sort of felt like the defense fell apart at yeah. that point. And you had a couple of really bad defensive games. And before you know it, your season's over. And then you have this this big must win game against Hamilton. You don't win it. And I think everyone in the fan base accepts, okay, Another season gone, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to hate the rest of the year, but it's not realistic now to think we're making the playoffs. Nope. So you come then you out, go to BC. You come go to BC. And take a you, nineteen point you lead. Have a nineteen point lead, yep. and that, as I mentioned on Twitter, because I'm very eloquent on Twitter, that's the kick in the dick yep. after the season is already. I've accepted the season is over. I'm just enjoying this game now for fun. It's a win. Hey, we're going to... No, it's not even a win. Fuck you. Here's a kick in the dick. And that's the, that's the way that game felt. And then you go out and you get a win this past week and it was far from comfortable at the end, but you get it done. Mm-hmm. It's just... It's been hard to watch because it's never felt like even when this fourth string quarterback that you have no right to ask anything from actually figures it out and gets going... And then your defense falters on you. Like it just, it's felt like nothing has ever clicked all at once. Yeah, it, it's it's been real hard to find all three phases clicking on the same game. Yeah, real hard. There there have been nights where Dustin Crum and the offense is humming, and defense is giving up huge play after huge play. Yeah, and it it's it's funny because I've I've joked about it's it. Not with, that funny. Well, <laughs> we have Dave Naylor right on our pregame show every yeah. game, and I remember doing the pregame show with him in that home game against Montreal. 
And Dave Naylor is like, the one thing that, because we were talking about how the Ottawa Red Black secondary is absolutely porous and mm-hmm. Ottawa at the time was the only team averaging more than 300 passing yards against a game. Uh, the Argos are there now too, right. but it's it's a different story because the Argos are always up big and the other team's just airing it out True in enough, garbage yeah. time, right? Good point, yeah. So the Argos giving up 300 passing yards a game is not the same as Ottawa. No, they're already up three are, scores when it's happening. Ottawa's like 325.6 or something per game through the air. Wow. And and Dave Naylor was saying, like, you know what? The one thing, like, you're going to need to contain Caleb Evans on the ground. You're going to need to slow down the uh, Alouette's rushing game. But the one thing Caleb Evans isn't going to do is beat you with his arm. What does Caleb Evans go out and do? <laughs> Beat you with his arm. <laughs> so the next week, uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks are facing, I believe, Jake Dolagala and the, or maybe it was Trey Ford and the Edmonton, Edmonton Elks, yeah, I think. Um, but Dave Naylor was telling me, like, I know I told you last week, Caleb Evans isn't going to beat you with his arm, but the thing we've seen from Trey Ford, he's dangerous on the ground. He's not going to beat you with his arm. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, the Elks uh, and to be fair, the Elks absolutely torched Ottawa on the ground that game, too. Right. But Trey Ford also beat them with his arm. Sure. And so, like, Dave and I have been joking on the pregame, like, gotta gotta be careful because <laughs> what you're saying ends up happening. Right. There's no way Ottawa could lose this game is what we need him to start oh, saying. That's... But that, that's that's the thing. And, and, and one of the things Dave has said is that it feels like Ottawa has losing one-score games in their DNA now. That's what it feels like. Yeah. And and you look at how that BC, BC game played out. And to their credit, and I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to Dave on Saturday as we get set for Red Blacks and Alouettes mm-hmm. from TD Place. Because he said to me at the postgame, hopefully next week we're having a different conversation because we've been having the same conversation for seven weeks now. Yeah. Well, what do you... Like, this season is lost, and I don't think there's any reason really to, it, to do a whole it's funny because and and duke and i talked about this on the post game show the way the schedule plays out had montreal ever lost in calgary then yeah. you then you can talk about it and believe it now that didn't end up happening but when we were finishing our post game show on friday ottawa has the alouettes back to back and then the argos back to back the argos have already clinched the east there's nothing to play Ottawa for. doesn't beat anyone in their own division it's so. true <laughs> it really doesn't it, it's it. true <laughs> and, and now that montreal ended up winning in calgary it's yeah. it's going to feel like you know what it's done but so what do you do like this is a team that just replaced its coach coming into this season i'm not sure you're going to want to do that again i i get the sense and and you know these people better than i do and you're talking to the fans more than i am when they're texting into the shows and stuff but i I get the sense from the fan base and from some of the people that I have the the luxury of speaking to as well that everybody loves Bob Dice, the human being, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people pretty unhappy with Bob Dice, the head coach. And I'm I'm not sure if this group, after the, the years that they have had now, back to back to back, yeah. has the luxury of just going, we think things should have gone better this year. We're going to stand pat. Like, what are you going to do coming into this offseason? It's a really good question, and it's a really fair question, and it's it's one that I don't know the answer to. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. I really don't. Um, it, it's all, all I can do is share some of the knowledge that I've gleaned over the years yeah. from people that I've spoken with who are far smarter than me. <laughs> 
Um, now, one of the points that I've been bringing up is who's one of the, if not the best coach in the NFL right now? And I would say Andy Reid. Yeah. And you look at what Andy Reid has been able to do in recent hins- history since he's had Patrick Mahomes. And that's that a helps. big part of it. Yeah. But Andy Reid is now one of the best coaches in the NFL. And the knock against Andy Reid for years and years and years is he couldn't win when it mattered and he couldn't manage the clock. And you think about his time in Philly, Mm -hmm. you think about his first few years with Alex Smith in Chicago, or sorry, in Kansas City with the Chiefs, and they'd have leads and they blow it at the end. And what Andy Reid has done and been given the opportunity to do Mm -hmm. is learn. Yeah. Another person that we used to have the luxury of having on our show every week was Dave Smart, the longtime coach of the Carlton Ravens men's basketball team. Yeah, unprecedented. He was the director of basketball operations. Now he's gone to Texas Tech. Uh, We haven't been able to have him on uh, as much since he's gone down to Texas Tech. Right. But one of the things that Dave Smart has talked about is the importance of continuity. And it's, it's something to me that is very important and I don't think it can be undersold how important it is that Bob Dice has all of these guys playing for him they do he does seem to be very respected in the locker room like the guys want to play for Bob Dice they and to a man and you talk to any of the Red Blacks you talk to anybody who's around the team these guys would all go through a wall for that man right and they would when he got the job on an interim basis last year. They would uh, heard stories about this team fired up before the BC game. And you hear stories about maybe the players being not necessarily uh, as upset about the decision to kick the 50-yard field goal, which I think yeah. Bob Dice has been hammered <laughs> by a bunch of people. And uh, we we question this decision certainly on our post game show Mm -hmm. and it's not a decision i would have made in that situation but bob dice is a full-time head coach for the first time in his life he's been a special teams coordinator and one of the best special teams coordinators in the cfl for years he's well respected and well liked by all sorts of people around the cfl Uh, He had an interim stint, I believe, in Saskatchewan, and then last year's interim stint. But he's a first-year head coach in the CFL. You think of Ryan Dinwiddie in Toronto, Mm -hmm. and you think about him going into victory formation and then realizing he'd have to punt the ball away. (laughs) And who's who's coaching the best team in the CFL right now? Ryan Dinwiddie. And it's one of those things that... And I'll say this. Has Bob Dice coached a perfect season in the CFL this year? No, of course he hasn't. Um, Has he made mistakes? Yes. Has he admitted to his mistakes in the media? I'm not sure. No, there's... And I think that's something that fans take a lot of umbrage with. Yeah. We can all see this didn't work out. It would be great if you could stand here and go, yeah, if I had that to do over again. Because we've all made mistakes. Yes. What gets people super pissed is going, no, it was the right call. It just didn't. No, it clearly was not the right call. Like, And the thing I'll say to that is I I, I don't know Bob Dice very well at yeah. all. Um, I, I've, I've spoken with him here and there, but I'm, I'm not 
Like I'm not plugged into who he is as a person. Right. Um, but handling the media and what you truly believe are two different things. 100%. And, and as someone who's worked in the media for 17 years, that's just a fact. Yep. And so I, I, I hesitate to criticize as much as a lot of the, and I, I, I don't begrudge any of the fans for feeling the way they do. You're entitled. Mm-hmm. You're, you're spending your hard earned money on this team. You're investing in this team. Yep. And I can understand why you're frustrated. I get it. I'm frustrated watching games too. Duke's frustrated. <laughs> we, we watch games. You can st- you're starting to hear that in those post game shows. Yeah. He's, and, he's, he's letting us know what he thinks. It's, and, and I, I think that's what you want. 100% but it is. The thing that I think is important to remember, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see how the Sens season plays out. Yeah. Because DJ Smith is a guy that, to a man, the Ottawa Senators would run through a wall for. And you look at how the Ottawa Senators have been positioned for the last few years as a rebuilding team versus now a team that wants to contend and take take the next step. step. Um, And it gets to the point where it doesn't matter how much the players want to go through a wall for a coach if you can't win. Now it's going to be my point here and I'm just, I'm going to give it back to you in a sec, but I I just, I wonder the market forces, right? Like even if you, even if you're totally right, that the correct thing to do is to let Bob Dice learn from these experiences, keep that continuity, keep the coach that the players like. At some point, if the torches at the door are loud enough, it gets difficult. It gets very difficult. What's that quote from, uh, I'm trying to remember which GM it was, but it's, once you start listening to the fans, soon you'll be sitting with them. You'll be sitting with them, yeah. Um, So, it's fair. It, but it's, it's uh, but I I completely get what do you're you want, saying. Uh, you'll be sitting with them if they're still coming to the stadium, right? That's right. the bigger issue right now as a business, and that's the thing that's working against Sean Burke and Bob Dice. A hundred percent. What's working against them is that this season does not exist in a vacuum, right? If this season existed in a vacuum, if Ottawa had been losers in the Grey Cup. Two years ago, right, and one hundred percent, and lost in the first round last year. Quarterback went down. Yep. We made a couple mistakes in the. You just go, man, bad season. And, yeah, and you come back, but but that's not how it works, right? That's why Mitch Marner gets to hear about nineteen sixty seven, right? All of these things, right? 100%. Like the fans are pissed, and they have a much bigger view, whether it's fair or not. Yeah, and, and the context is everything, and that very, very, very much matters. 100%. But the, the thing I'll say mm-hmm. is, outside of the argument that he's not accountable to the media when he speaks to the media, I don't know that Bob Dice has been making the same mistakes over and over and over again. He made the decision to kick a field goal yep. on third and goal from the one. Has he done that again? Uh, no. Um, you you talk about Tyrell Pigram with three attempts in short yardage yep. and getting stuffed all three. Yeah. And and that was after because they were like, you know what? We're not kicking a field goal no, from the one again. No, we're going for this. We're going for this. And but, that doesn't work either. And so now you're pissed at him for doing the, the opposite thing. But right? that's the thing. Yeah. Like, to me, Bob Dice has not been making the same mistakes. No, you're right about and that. And that tells me that right he's learning. That. And I, I, again, I think as a first-time head coach in the CFL, uh, it, it's, it's frustrating that he seemingly is struggling to see the big picture. But again, 
Andy Reid's the one that comes to mind for me. Yeah. Because Andy Reid, for a long time, and I, I was guilty of it as anyone. And, uh, I mean, I don't know if we're going to have time to talk about Mike McCarthy and for me to get <laughs> take some shots at him. But you talk about guys who haven't learned, and Andy Reid has learned. And I, I think there's that possibility. And so to Red Blacks fans, and it, it's Sean Burke talked about it a few weeks ago, is we can preach patience all we want, but we have to go out and do it. Yeah. And they haven't been able to do that when it matters the most. And that's frustrating as hell. And I get that. And I'm frustrated too. It's, but It's been one of those summers, right? It, it really has. For so many people, especially in the Ottawa sports fan base, and I would put myself in this group who have watched the Blue Jays be <laughs> unbelievably frustrating. Yeah. And yet... I'm find so wins glad I'm not a Jays fan. And find wins. Yeah. Like, they're in position yeah. right now. They're very likely going to make the playoffs. And yet, all summer, it's been miserable to watch that team. Yep. And you watch the Red Blacks, which has been almost equally miserable, and they're not getting the wins. Yep. But every time I turn on the TV to watch one of my sports teams, I'm just like, this stinks. I hate watching this. It's, yeah. And so, I get it why sports fans are, are upset in this market right now. There's a lot going on. But um, one of the things I think people are looking a little more forward to is this Ottawa Senators oh, yeah. season, right? There is a sense of excitement right now mm-hmm. that everybody, uh, with the exception, I guess, of Shane Pinto, and I, I assume that gets done before opening night. They'll figure it out. It feels out. like it. Yeah. Yeah. But there is an optimism around this team that this is group is ready to take the next step when you talk about having Chikrin for a full year, another year of Jake Sanderson development, another year of Tim Stutzla's development, the pieces who have already established themselves, you know, your Brady's, and if Josh Norris stays healthy, all these sorts of things, it does look like this team is ready to take a step. Then you add on the, the new ownership mm-hmm. who knocked it out of the park on oh, Friday yeah. with that press conference. Yep. This city is ready for the Senators to take that next step. I'm curious... As, as the season gets ready to wind up, what do you have your eye on around the Senators? What questions maybe do you still have that you're looking to get an answer to? Like, just what part of this are you focused in on as they get ready to start the year? So a big part for me, and that I feel like got answered in a very positive way last night, was Anton Forsberg. And yep. he coming off the double knee injuries, and yeah. he looked great last night. He His lateral movement was incredible. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is extremely encouraging because this, this to me comes down to goaltending. And it always feels like in the NHL, it comes down to goaltending. 100%. It was Paul McLean who said, you might as well call it goalie. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, and, and, and I love that they went out and got Jonas Corposalo. Yep. Um, he, to me, was the best option as far as free agency was concerned to shore up your goaltending. Now, he is only ever played a career high of 39 games. He so has. what you said there about Anton Forsberg is incredibly important. Is this right. guy ready to 1A? One, like, however that's going to work, he's going to play a big number of games here. This is going to be a tandem. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that, to me, was... And and maybe Jonas is ready to take the step. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about... And, I mean, Craig Anderson had played lots of games in Colorado before he became entrenched as the Ottawa Senators yep. starter. Yep. But... He was a guy that didn't get as much of an opportunity until he came to That's Ottawa. That's right, yeah. And so maybe Jonas Corposalo is ready to take a step and start 50-ish games. Maybe he is. Mm-hmm. But such a huge part of it is 
Anton Forsberg's health and the fact that and you can read all you want and we hear it every year the the guys came into training camp in the best, <laughs> best shape, shape of their, their lives, lives. <laughs> like we, we hear that every year and uh but seeing what we saw from Anton Forsberg last night in that preseason game against the Leafs right and hearing from him post game live from the locker room with uh Gord Wilson mm-hmm. and the members of the media where he talked about how his knees are feeling as good if not better than they ever had, I think is super encouraging for this team. But to me, it all comes down to goaltending and it all comes down to health. And I I mean, the the Josh Norris situation is... I don't know if... Just a tweak. If there was a game next week, he'd play. Yeah, and maybe it's it's one of those things concerning, I guess is a word, troubling, but... I can also understand, and Tyler Boucher as well, and I, I don't think Tyler Boucher is going to be an impact player with the Ottawa Senators this year or anything, but the fact that he's once again dealing with injury issues and is not ready for camp is troubling. Yeah. But for Josh Norris, it's it's one of those things that you need him to be healthy. So if if you're treating him with kid gloves, I get it. But if the, it is a sign, if if they're just posturing by saying, you know what? If if we were playing, he'd be playing. Right. If you're posturing with that, then that's troubling. Mm-hmm. If that's actually the case, right. then I don't think there's I, anything to see sure, here. And it makes who total knows sense. what the truth is? Yeah. Well, and like you said, if it's if this is true, if that's actually I get it. There's yeah. a re, there's a reason to be careful For sure. with this guy, right? Yeah. With how important he is and the troubles he's had with it. Um I'm curious if let's assume over the next two and a half weeks, whatever it is, until the season starts, they get Pinto done um, and Norris is healthy, ready mm-hmm. to go. And and this team starts, there's always a chance that anybody can get hurt in, in camp, but th- this team starts reasonably healthy. Slam dunk playoff team, slam dunk in the mix at the end, still going to struggle. Like where do you have these guys? If, if everything, if everything breaks right, I think they're a slam dunk playoff team, but you can never count on everything breaking no. right. So I, I have them as slam dunk in the mix. Okay. That's that's where I, I with the caveat that they're inevitably going to deal with some sort of injury issues. Well, everybody does, yep. right? We, but, exactly. So when we project these things, we're all sort of assuming health and yep. and whatever. So I love the top four. Yeah. Um, I, I'm expecting a big bounce back here from Thomas Shabbat. I, I think Jacob Chikrin's injury issues are a little overblown just given the context of his career. And you look at the games played totals, I think it's skewed by some of the COVID shortened seasons. And I I think that's important context to remember. Well, he's Um, not constantly blowing out like one knee or something. Exactly. No, sometimes it's, it's freak stuff that just, and it's, it's frustrating that, uh, you, you have shoulder injuries with so many of the forwards. Yeah. Like Pinto and Norris. Yeah. Tyler Boucher. But, (laughs) Uh, although it's the groin for Boucher after uh, he pushed it too hard in the physicals. But <laughs> I, I I think, yeah, I, I'm going slam dunk in the mix. And if everything breaks right, they're a playoff team for sure. Because I, I think the goaltending is where it needs to be. And I think that's the biggest thing that has sunk this team the past few years. Yeah, last the year they used six, seven goalies yeah. or something like it. But you look at the save percentage of the goalies and I, I just think... If they can get average goaltending, 
I think they're in the mix. And if they can get slightly above average goaltending, which I think they have the personnel to get, yeah, they're, I think, a slam dunk playoff team. Now, the problem is the division is stacked. Yep. And I, I think... Uh, I don't think I'm speaking out of school to say that Boston's going to st- take a step back, sure. but they just had the best se- regular season in the history of the NHL. Of course, they're going to take a step back. Right. And then you add on top of that, though, the Bergeron and the Krejci. Yeah, all I, and- I think they could take a big step back, yep. but you also look at how that team, like if they've the continuity they have, even losing, I, I, I don't know if I think they're going to fall back Right as out. far as a lot of people expect them to. Like, they can drop 40 points and still be at 95. That's exactly. usually gets you in the playoffs. Exactly. Like that's, yeah. So I, I'm curious then, if you've got the Sens, you know, right in the mix, and if they stay healthy getting in, who is coming out? Uh, to me, it's between Boston and Florida. Yeah. And I'm leaning more towards Florida. What do you think about the wild card side? Uh, Pittsburgh, you know, where... I I like what Pittsburgh. done. I did done. too. I think I, they've improved a bit. I... I I'm not sure they're back to contender for the cup status, but I do think they're solidly playoff team again. If if Eric Carlson can put a year together like he did last year, why even, not be a, even a fraction? Like if he gets 75 points, why this not year? be a cup contender? If Maybe you're Pittsburgh. could be. And and you've got that would Sid be a Gino. Real, like we talked about this term earlier, the real kick in the dick for us Leaf fans who watched our GM go out and turn around the over the hill. Too old, can't do it anymore. Penguins. Yep, done. Here, cup. That's and I, I don't think we'll have time to get into this, but I, I want to at, at some point, if you'll have me back, sure, I want to talk about man. the Kyle Dubas era yeah. with the Leafs. Okay, and we can do that. How how I I think it's unfair how much grief he's taken. I, I so do I. I'm, I I'm I like guy. what he's done yeah. a lot, and yeah, I, I don't know that we'll have time to get into it. Today. I have a friend, and she calls him uh, Sexy Millhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, everybody likes Kyle for different reasons. Uh, so. <laughs> no, I, I'm interested when when this like I don't know what to expect of the Islanders this year. Um, you know, in terms of what playoff spots might open up, who might take a step forward. I expect Columbus will be less of a dumpster fire, but I don't think they're in the mix for playoff team. I expect Philly to still be awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but over in that other division where you might be able to find a wild card. It, I think Carolina's in, Jersey's in, the Rangers are in, and Pittsburgh's in. So that really only leaves a spot out of your own division, right? And and I don't know what which Florida is real Florida. The one two years ago that won the President's Trophy or the one that just barely scraped in at the last minute but then managed to take a run to the final. Like Maybe they're right for the picking. I, I, I expect both Toronto and Tampa to take a step back, but not a huge one. Yeah. Um, I said on the show on Monday morning that I think that, and before you call me a homer, this is the first time I've ever predicted this. I think Toronto does win this division this year. I, I think that's where it's at. But I think all those teams are kind of. How do you of, feel about your goaltending? I have questions. And yeah. I have questions about the blue line. But I, I look around the rest of the division, I go, Tampa keeps having to sell off parts and they're another year older. But who's their goaltender? Yeah. He has, Who do they have on no, the blue Andre, line? Andre, you're right, man. I well, their blue line beyond Hedman at this point is not, but what it once was. No, of course not. But you have Hedman. Yep, and we do not have uh, Hedman. We and have, you do not have, have Andre Vasilevsky. We have John Klingberg, and right? Ilya Samsonov, right? Uh, so, but I, I just, I think Toronto wins the division. But all of this is just to say that those years of Toronto, Boston, and Tampa running away 
because they are stomping over Montreal, uh, Ottawa, Buffalo, Detroit, who are just awful. Yep. Those years are over. Yep. All those, well, not Montreal, but those other teams <laughs> have taken a step forward. They're going to take those points away from you, right? Whether they make it in or not, the days of running over them are over. Yeah. Right? And so I think this division, the top comes back to earth a little and the bottom starts to come up a little and it, it, it gets tighter. And I, I don't know if Ottawa's there yet, but I do expect that we're not having the same conversation in like American Thanksgiving season's over for the Senators. They will be better this year. Um, and I think coming right up to that last week, whether they get in or not, I'm not sold yet, but they will still be in that conversation right with Buffalo and who knows, you know, whether it's Boston or Florida who might be ready to fall out. I think Otto's ready to take uh, two years ago, Ottawa finished at 29, 30 points out of the playoffs. Last mm-hmm. year, they finished six. That's yep. a huge, huge step, right? To only finish six points out after that. You don't have to make that big of a leap again. You just have to incrementally get better now and, and that puts Ottawa in the mix but. yeah and and to your point I I think the division is going to be a lot more competitive yeah and you I I don't know if Detroit's there yet um Buffalo's right knocking on the door I don't like Detroit Buffalo I think might be there Buffalo and Ottawa are both going to take I don't really know what Detroit's doing yeah no I I agree yeah. I agree but um and it's it's one of those things with the new ownership if this team scuffles out of the gate, there are going to be changes that are going to be made. Oh, yeah. And so who knows what sort of impact that can have on the team. But I, I think the the arrow's up for the Ottawa Senators. Yep. Um, I think it's really, really promising the direction they're going in. What we've seen from Tim Stutzla, what we've seen from Brady Kachuk, from Jake Sanderson, um, I, I think that... And if again, if, if you can get above average goaltending from Jonas Corposalo and Anton Forsberg. And I don't think there's anything, any reason to believe you won't given the top four that this team has now. That's I, a big part of it. eh? You don't need elite goaltending if you're getting good defense. Exactly. And, and this team has been getting such horrible defense for <laughs> yes. so many years. That's right. And now that you have the top four solidified, uh, I, I really think that the Ottawa Senators are not going to surprise people in the Ottawa market and maybe not in the Canadian markets, but I think in the United States, uh, I think a lot of people are going to be taken surprised by the Ottawa Senators. Well, because even a guy like Brady Kachuk, who you don't think of his game, obviously he's going to put up some points, but like last year, he had a huge season yeah. offensively. That was never what was expected of Brady, right? Like he was supposed to be maybe your second line left winger who had some jam and, and would still put up you know, 20 goals, 60 points or whatever. And all of a sudden he's, what do you finish? Like 80 into the eighties and so, points yeah. or something yeah. like that. Like he had a huge year. And if he's capable of that and Stutzler is going to be 90 points. And if oh, Claude Giroux could, could be, if Claude Giroux hangs around and, and keeps drinking from the fountain of youth, right? You know, Josh Norris stays healthy. And all of a sudden you're looking going, all right, like that's dangerous, right? It's a good top six. It's yeah, and, and so you, you bring get, Vlad Tarasenko into yeah. the mix, and we'll to see. To me, he's a bit get. of a wild card. I don't know what you're going to get from him. Agreed. Could be a bounce-back season that puts, especially he's motivated on a one-year deal, uh, He or maybe he's a little washed, right? We'll, we'll see. Uh, but Batherson, I don't expect to be anywhere near as bad as he was last year. Um, yeah, I, I fully expect Ottawa to be in the mix 
By the time the season starts, I will have to commit on this show as to whether or not I'm predicting <laughs> him to get in or not. I'm still waffling a little back and forth. Ah, uh, you got time. I'm mulling it over. Not I'm, a lot of time. No, not a time. lot. You I want to see does Pinto get signed and and is Norris going to start the season? I think Norris will start the season, and I I do think they'll get Pinto done. the The big question too. is how do they fit him in? Yeah, something's going to go right, and everybody seems to be talking about either Kubalik or. Uh, Matthew, Matthew Joseph. Joseph and but it sounds from the reporting, it sounds like the price to move yeah. Joseph is not cheap. Which is odd to me. Like he's a useful player. Agreed. I, I don't know why you think you get a sweetener other than you know you've got them up with their back. That's a hundred percent what it is. Yeah. Like, hey, hey Pierre, I got an anchor for you. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you came in, man. Yeah, this, this has was been a blast. Uh, this is good. It's uh, flown by. I know. <laughs> it often does. The beers help. So. <laughs> oh, the best. Um yeah, I know people can hear you more often than not. It's on uh, it's on the drive yeah. or on the uh, the Red Blacks broadcasts. Yeah, I'll be on the Red Blacks pre and post game shows for the next four games this season. I don't think uh, it's it's not mathematically impossible, yeah. but probably not playoffs. And then not yeah, likely to be a fifth. Game. The drive uh, four to six and four to seven on TSN twelve hundred Monday to Friday. Yeah. I'm glad you came in, man. I hope you'll do it again. Like you said, I know you Anytime. have things to say about Sexy Millhouse, so uh, <laughs> so we'll put that in our back pocket and save Stupid it for Stupid Sexy Mill. No, exactly. that's planned. What? <laughs> uh, we'll save that for another day. Uh, Look forward to it. Thanks, Matty. We are on social media at Talk and Audio. Give us a follow there and uh, make sure you're subscribed to the pod wherever you're hearing us. Now, if you're interested in any of those music books we were talking about earlier, I'll remind you those, uh, those will be in the show notes. Uh, if you buy any of them through our links, we get a little little kickback you pay what you're always going to pay but they give us a little bump so uh if you're interested in those check the show notes and uh and we'll wrap this up here for matt connor's vita my name is matt robinson we'll see you next time the hell is that number one bullshit oh number one bullshit why are you so pissy